Pig's name was Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> On the nose, but still good. Yes. Still good. Yeah. Okay, so here's here's the news article I read today. Okay, okay. I, I have not confirmed this, but I do want your opinion. Okay. Right? Fantastic forecasting. They're trying to get it ready for the MCU. Okay. We're still debating who's going to be the Fantastic Four. A lot of still questions going yeah. on. Some, you know, Adam Driver is kind of in the lead from what we're hearing. For Reed Richards? Yes. I still like the John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, uh, Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman. I think that they would have been a, a power couple in there. Bring yeah. in like, their real relationship, I think it would have been fantastic. Yeah. But, you know, that's not how Hollywood works. Yeah. But the rumors are okay. Dr. Doom, Josh Hartnett. Oh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's what I was reading. I mean, he's kind of tall. Mm-hmm. He's kind of I, – I haven't seen him really show up in a movie. He was in everything in the 90s, right? Every, like, angsty kids drama. Yep. He was trying to be that teenage heartthrob. Yeah. When's the last time he was in a movie? I don't know the last time he was in a movie. I think there was one that was him and Ron Perlman in kind of, like, this weird, uh, like, samurai-ish movie kind of thing going on. Um uh, like Baraka or something like that is the last time I remember seeing him. I loved him in Lucky Number Eleven with Bruce Willis. Like I, I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, that fantastic. was a gr- that was a great one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And Morgan Freeman was in there, and yeah, it was fantastic. But did you know that he was originally in the running to play Loki in the Thor movies? Wait, you were saying Hartman? It's Harnett, right? Hartnett, yeah, Josh Hartman. Hartnett. Okay, yeah. I was saying Hartman. Uh, no, I did not know he was in the running to play Loki. I had never heard that at all. Yeah, so he, it was him and Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston won out, which, you know, obviously Hiddleston's career is, like, just skyrocketed from right. that. Um, you know, he... He suppose that Harden, Josh Harden is like, dang it! That's what I... Yeah, maybe this is now he's like, well, then I gotta get back in this, like... And I think Doctor Doom would be a fantastic kind of foil to that same type of energy that he had. Um, I think it it all depends on who they cast as Reed Reed Richards, right? Because they sub, they were they went to college together. Yep. They were in college together as part of the backstory. I mean, they could ditch that. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, if they cast him, then they then they're saying, okay, we're going to go younger, right? Then um, Kroninsky was he's probably forty five ish, something like that. I would assume. I don't know how. I guess Josh Hartnett is only born a few years after me, so he's he is forty five right now. Huh. I'm I'm kind of my my dream is that we're gonna find out the Apparently fantastic. He's Ford. an Oppenheimer. Oh, is he? I've I haven't it seen yet. it yet. Yeah. I keep on dreaming that what we're gonna find out is that the Fantastic Four have actually been around for a while in the MCU. They've had their powers, but they just aren't. They aren't the Avengers. They aren't. Like, they've been just doing their own thing really quietly, really secretly, and, and trying to keep under the radar of things. And that's why we haven't seen them interact with S.H.I.E.L.D. and things along those lines. So we're not going to have a brand new origin story? I kind of hope they go with the Spider-Man route, where we, we know the origin story. Like, they can make reference to it, but let's just move on. We've, we've gotten Fantastic Four content before. Not as prevalent as Spider-Man or Batman, but let's face it, these movies now that we're not 
focusing on the origin stories are being widely accepted. Just cosmic rays. We got powers now. We're moving on. And I they put out a well. new giant schedule for MCU movies, and I don't know if it was an official one or not, but it also included the Eternals Part Two on that schedule. So I'm just like shocking. Yeah. Well, it's. I think that it's setting up. Honestly, I think that the Eternals Part Two sets up Galactus, and that might be the entryway into Fantastic Four. Oh, that would be fantastic. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Hello, and welcome to Red Raccoon <laughs> Radio, your source for safe top gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. I'm your host, John Parrott, and with me today is Jamie. Oh, switching it up. <laughs> I like it. Hey, gang. Hi. So, yes, obviously we we ranted a little bit because, you know, we love our rants. We love getting into it. That's what we do. Um, But let's start off with the quintessential question that always starts every single one of our podcasts. Jamie, how was the store this week? Um, Sick. Yeah. (laughs) This week, um, the last, God, since we got back from Gen Con, it's been, I th- we have had two days since Gen Con where somebody hasn't called out sick. It's crazy. It's just like we started off, you know, Kat uh, got COVID. A bunch of people got COVID at Gen Con. Luckily, Kat didn't spread it to anywhere else. I took, I don't even know how many COVID tests I've taken at this point. I never got it. Uh, considering that I was sitting next to Andrew uh, at lunch one day and Andrew tested positive. So uh, somehow I dodged that bullet. Um, But it's been, you know, I was out. um, I went down Sunday night, spent all of Labor Day sick on the couch at home. I I made it as far from the bed to the couch and then back to the bed. That's how far I made it on Labor Day, Um, which stinks because every year I carry the American flags with the Rotary Clubs in the Labor Day parade. Didn't get to do that this year. So I think it's the first time I've missed in, I don't know, a long time. But... Spencer got strep, uh, Kate and Patrick both had strep, Anna had strep, uh, Ariel just had the flu, Ryan had the flu, Alexis had the flu, I mean, everybody. And, I mean, the downside of us as we get to be a, a bigger organization is that we also apparently are much more effective at spreading germs to each other, too. And, um, and But it's going through town, right? Yeah. It's going through Bloomington with, you know, COVID cases, Um a wedding that we went to, uh, somehow we dodged it there because we went to a wedding last week and 18 wedding guests had tested positive <laughs> for COVID. And so, you know, again, this week I was taking like COVID tests all weekend, like, oh, crud, everybody's got COVID. I better be taking COVID tests. And I mean, so I dodged that bullet again, but I definitely had the flu. So it's, it's, um, and then I was like, I, I talked too soon and I was like, woo, we made it Thursday and Friday, and everybody was here. The first two days since Gen Con where people weren't sick. And then Saturday morning, Spencer's like supposed to teach and learn to play Dungeons and Dragons. And he's just like, Jamie, I can't make Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So so then, you know, yeah, scrambling. Uh Man, so uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm doing my best to feed everybody lots of uh, vitamins and fresh vegetables, and we're gonna make Kelly's gonna make like five gallons of chicken noodle soup to try to get everybody healthy. Um, it's been a it's been a interesting week too. 
this is this is the transition, right? We're in that transition period of everybody's going back to school, coming back from their summer breaks and coming back to town. Um, you know, people are trying to transition. Parents are trying to transition their kids back into the semester. And the weather's been perfect. So this is always a slow time and a slow week for the store. About, about a month period starting the middle of August when school resumes is always the slowest time for the store, which always kind of stinks because it's the same time that all the th- things that people showed at Gen Con are now shipping. So oh, all the money right. goes out for all the games coming in, and yet the revenue is not always lined up there. So it's always a, it's always a gut tightening time for me as I'm watching our bank account go down as I'm paying all the bills for all these games. And at the same time, it'd be nice if the revenue was coming in. We'll get there, right? We're coming yeah. into we're coming into the busy time. So the the slow time is getting ready to end and at least everybody's getting sick right now. Mm-hmm. Because if we everybody got sick in October, we'd be in trouble. October's a busy month. <laughs> October's going to be so crazy. You, you've run down like three times with me everything that's going on in October at the store. And yeah. I think that might be something we have to talk about in a future episode just to get it all out there. Well, um, let's, let's just throw it out there so we set the stage for people right now. So first up, um, at the end of September, we're going to Uptown Normal for the day of play. We're, uh, we always have a couple booths out there, and we're teaching kids how to play games. And it's, it's a lot of littles, right? The average age is probably four to seven or eight. So we're teaching a lot of little kids how to play games. It's good exposure for us with, and with, with parents, right, as their kids are getting big enough to learn to play games. Then first weekend of October is FlatCon, which is our local game convention. 600, five, five, 600 people, uh, tons of RPG stuff, tons of board games, tons of minis. Um, just lots of fun all the way across yeah. the board. It's worth coming if you're in mid, uh, mid or middle Illinois, central Illinois area. It's worth coming to FlatCon for the weekend. It's a good time all every year. The weekend after FlatCon, that week during the week is the ribbon cutting. So everybody listening to this, you're invited to the ribbon cutting on October 12th. Then October 14th, that's the Saturday of that weekend, October 14th. That is Tomes of Terror, the horror novelist convention here at the store that we're partnering with Bob's Bay. So I think she's got, Liz from Bob's Bay's got 10 or 12 horror novelists that are local to central Illinois that are all going to be here. That should be cool. The weekend after that is the Route 66 esports tournament, and we're running a $1,000 prize pool pioneer event on Saturday. A $500 prize pool modern event on Sunday, and then a Pokemon case event where there's one case worth of Pokemon products in the prize pool on Sunday as well. Then there's Halloween. And last year for Halloween, we had over a thousand kids. Wow. It was crazy. So that's like every weekend of October, like bam, 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 bam. Well, the good news is this year for Halloween, at least because of the new store, you're going to actually have a way to funnel them like through the store and out the back door. So you're not going to have yeah. the the tightness that we had at the last location. Yeah, yeah, we're we're going to set up. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have everybody come through, and uh, it'll be a good time. It'll be it'll be a really good time. It's always amazing seeing all the kids and everybody that are coming around. And so again, it's a great way to introduce them to the game store. Yeah, and we always give away dice. Except for the little, little, the little, little kids, they get candy. Anybody who's old enough to have not, to not be potentially swallowing the dice, they get dice. 
I think that that can be a little arbitrary. I've seen some older kids that I don't know if I would put past still swallowing <laughs> dice, but I understand that you have to just work with the metrics that you have. Well, we've, we've been giving away dice all summer long because we do the summer reading program with the Bloomington Public Library, and every kid that finishes it gets a free pair of dice. And I need to tell you, I stole your spiel. Because I, I love whenever those kids come in, they get their dice, and the first thing you say is, you need to read more books. Why? Because you can't play board games if you don't read. This is a beautiful business strategy that I would have never considered putting together, but I absolutely love the thought behind. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the things that you, there are also things you do. It's good business strategy, but it's also some things that you do when you're married to a fourth grade teacher. Yeah. You know, like also dress up as Buddy the Elf. Well, maybe. <laughs> uh, the Buddy the Elf costume's getting a little snug. Ugh. Yeah. I was a lighter, younger Jamie when that costume was uh, when that costume was built, and so, God, when was that? That would have been probably 2009 or 2010, so 13 years ago. That's a great time for me to bring up that I'll be starting a GoFundMe to get Jamie a new costume, <laughs> custom no. made, to make sure that oh. this can continue on in perpetuity. Do you know what happens when you uh, you, you you get on Google and you search for? Uh, tight size for a, a six and a half foot tall man. I don't think I want to know the answer it to that question. It changes your search results. I was about to say, that means some government agency puts up a red flag on your file. Yeah. And your Facebook recommendations are never the same. I have to I have to wear two pairs of the yellow tights every year because I tried to wear just one pair and all of my leg hairs just stood straight out <laughs> from the tights. <laughs> It was not a good look. It was not a good look. So I had to get a second pair of the tights in order to to keep the leg hairs from sticking straight out. One of the stretch goals on my Kickstarter to get you a new costume will be uh, leg waxing. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see if we can get enough fun. That hurt. Yeah. No, that's bad. There's so many people that do it, though. (laughs) People do it. I will say I got to work this weekend. So I got to be part of the Saturday sidewalk sale. That was fun. That was really fun. I was so surprised how many Gundam builders came out of nowhere uh, just to get a chance to look at what's there and always come into the shop. And it's still surprising to me that people are walking around and and I actually saw people walking by. They looked at the Gundam stuff and I overheard one asking the other, hey, what store is that? And I had to shout out, it's Red Raccoon Games. And he said, oh, we're, we're heading there right now. I said, no, we've moved. We're over here. And still got to see that that look of just pure awe as they walk into the store and yeah. see the new building. And everyone that comes in for the first time, I'm taking downstairs. Not only just because it's a fantastic play space, but I want people to know that we can rent it out for Tomes of Terror and things along those lines. Yeah, we actually um, we had somebody this week that we're setting up things with them that they're going to do like an off-site corporate meeting here. They want to do like team building exercise. So we're going to work with them on team building via board games fantastic right do some cooperative do some versus games talk about the differences and play styles between them i think it should be it should be a really good time Great. We, we did that with a group of teachers we did it with a group of they're not teachers yet they want to be teachers and um they uh they we they're so they're supposed to be teaching teachers how to be good instructors and everything so we handed them a bunch of copies of king domino and carcassonne and oh, said yes. And they, they were supposed to open the box and figure out how to play the game without any instructions from us. Just here's the game and here's a rule book. I'm, wow. 
<laughs> wow. The so we had to get a new copy of Carcassonne in order because uh, somebody that rented one of our copy Carcassonne lost a bunch of pieces, and when the new one came in. Uh, whoever punched it the first time left all the empty punch boards in the box. And when we went by, the teachers were actually putting the, the Carcassonne tiles back into the punch boards as they were playing. And we were like, what are you guys doing? They're like, well, we're building out our map. This is how you do it. And we're like, what? Okay. what? <laughs> Jesse was flabbergasted. It was like, wow. So That's kind of amazing in a way, though. I had yeah. never considered... Hmm. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah. So, I think we're going to be doing more stuff. This idea of team building, and even uh, my friend Rob has a store, and he has a contract with a corporation. Their senior executive team. He runs them through a D and D campaign as part of their team building exercises for the to bring the executive committee, the leadership team together. So it's like the CEO, the CFO, the CTO. You know, those guys and the senior directors are all on a D and D campaign together. We need to normalize D and D. That's what it needs to happen in the corporate space. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're we're going down that path, right? We, we're going down that path. Maybe maybe one D and D finally brings it all together. Which they've, re- yeah. Well, they we just, never escape talking about. It. I will say though, D and D brought me one of the highlight moments of my week because okay. Okay, what do you got? our mutual friend Zach Gilbert came into the store yesterday, yeah. and he had two, uh, you know, kind of those reusable shopping bags, and the biggest smile on his face. Yeah. He's like, I'm here to pick up the stuff for my D&D group at school. Yeah. And he picked up two of the biggest bags of D&D swag I have ever seen. Now, his his club paid for it and everything along those lines, but he was just literally on cloud. He was stopping transferring things from the bags we had set aside for him into his reusable bags and just would stop and smile at me. This is so exciting. I'm so happy about this. This is so great. Uh, and I was like, this is the this is awesome. Just being able to to get D and D in the hands of people uh, that you know have never maybe tried it before or yep. into kids with a controlled space. Because I remember I learned playing D and D from kids that were like nine years older than me, and obviously they did not have the patience nor the understanding of of good teaching etiquette. And I just think how much more different life would be if I had had a proper teacher walking me through all of the rules and understanding of the game and how much more fun I might have had in my life if I had that experience. I went into Metcalf Junior High for a, a game day. It would have been the, the, the spring semester of last year. And, uh, and Zach's like, okay, I know you were planning on coming to play board games, but I have like five kids who are desperate that they want to learn to play D&D. Can you teach them how to play D&D? Because I think these are the kids are the new anchor stone of my other. They want to do a D and D club next year, and these are the kids that will teach the other kids how to play. Just exactly to your point, right? Mm-hmm. And so I went in and I, I did a one shot adventure that we played for three and a half hours, and it was four girls and a boy, and they were in. They mm-hmm. were one hundred percent in. It was such an amazing experience. And and after the like, two days later, Zach's like, "Okay, I got some money from the PTO." We're putting together the D and D club. Give me, give me a a the cheap way to do it, and give me some, give me some different price ranges of what I would get. And so I put together like, here's your shopping list of like the bare minimums. Like here's like five sets of dice and the three books, right? And then this gets you out the door, gets everybody started, and we can get going. He's just like, he's like, I got more money than that. Add on to there. We're gonna have more than we're gonna have more than one table. I said, okay, multiple players' handbooks, multiple DMGs, multiple. 
So yeah, they got they've got enough stuff to get started for at least fifteen kids playing, and the so now the next step is I'm going to go in there. I'm going to say here's what's in the here's what's in the bag, and here's how you use it as the dungeon master. So that's the next thing they want to do is they want to like okay, what is all the stuff that you put in here, and why do we care? Yeah. So because I set them up with like, um, well the bill Wilds Beyond the Witchlight. Right, oh, because that's yep. the one campaign you can you can talk your way through the whole campaign and never actually do any combat if you want. Maybe some kids choose that route. Maybe they don't. Who knows, right? I know that the, all the tables that I've ever run, full-on murder hobos, hobos are never going to actually make now, it through that. I have played in your campaign, and, and my original character, I built to be this conversationalist. And I was like, I know, I'm, I'm going to try and talk my way out of everything. I'm a warlock, my favorite class, and that is I try and talk my way out. And when I can't, I've got an edge. I've got these spells that I can throw out at any time. And then I ended up inside, uh, it's the, the Mad Mage. No, White Plume Mountain. Well, that's where we went to next. Oh, yeah. We went to the the castle or the what is it of the Mad Mage? Underneath. Oh, the, the dungeons of the Mad Mage. There we go. And there's no one sane there to talk to. And I kept on trying to go up to people <laughs> and trying to have conversations. And it's like this person has a one track mind and will not respond to anything you say. This is a flaming skull that only has this programmable talk. I'm like, oh well, okay, maybe I. No, there were. You guys just didn't go to the right places. Oh, okay. there there totally okay. were. There was a couple of places where you the whole part of the campaign was all about. Because um, there was one of the areas that you just never even went into was one of Halastar's, um apprentices. And you 100% could have talked your way through that entire section of the, of the, the game and got a whole bunch of really cool weapons because the guy hated Halister so much that he was going to equip you to give you better stuff to try to take Halister down as well as explain some fundamental things about how the the dungeon actually works because every time I keep trying to give hints to the group to say look at this thing over here they look at it and they're like yeah, we don't trust that. And they walk away and they go the other way. And I'm like, oh, that was my exposition moment where I was going to explain to you. And this is, it. yeah, they've walked away from everything. And so that's far. why my character ended up dead underneath the body of an owl bear. I'm just saying. I'm just saying I did not spec my character correctly for the campaign. No, you got killed by that vampire. I did. Well, I died once underneath the owl bear. Oh, that's they true. brought me back and then I died again. I was like, okay, I need to readjust something. So I made the vampire. Yeah. Uh, but see, this is why I want to do like separate podcasts for D&D stuff because we always get sucked in this rabbit hole of talking know, about know, our I know, stories. I know, I know. So I, I do want to talk about, you know, what we've gotten on the table recently and for me, I actually have not had a lot of time to, to get any board gaming in. My work schedule has been crazy these past couple of weeks. But I did start playing Baldur's Gate 3. I'm not going to go into length about it. We talked a little bit before the podcast. We just spent way too much time talking about D&D campaigns. But I do want to say playing that game, especially with friends, lets me walk away feeling like I had a good tabletop experience. I truly, truly hope that Baldur's Gate brings up the desire once this fad is passed and people kind of have that craving again that we're going to see a surge in RPGs again because the best thing about this game is it's not just letting people play the story and understand the world it's literally teaching the mechanics you are rolling dice in that game you are seeing what skills and abilities you have and how they affect the world and they actually do affect the world exactly as they would and how you use it 
um, and the characters that you play are important to the conversations you have with characters. There are moments where I'm having a, a choose your own dialogue option and it's, you know, I can use strength in order to get out of a situation or I can use the fact that I'm a warlock and have excellent persuasion. I can boost those bonuses together and be like, hey, I know, have some those intricate knowledge. Those are rookie knowledge. numbers, John. You gotta be, boost, get those numbers up. I know, I know. You gotta get I those know. numbers up. So I, I truly enjoy it. I think it's fantastic. If you are looking for an experience to play, especially with online friends, if you can make that happen. And they're working on getting a console to PC like setup so that way you can play with anybody who's playing the game. So that would be what I was playing this week. Jamie, have you gotten anything on the table for yourself? I taught some newbies how to play Dominion. And I think I have created some new Dominion addicts because they were like, wait, what? How does this game work? They'd never played a deck builder before. Uh, it is a... It's a couple who they're trying to get back into gaming, right? The a long time ago, gosh, when it first came out, so what, 2014-ish, I uh, I had taught them how to play Carcassonne and Splendor, and they bought Carcassonne and Splendor. Then a lot of moving and shuffling things around, and career changes, and they kind of we hadn't really spent a lot of time with each other, right? Because they were so busy taking care of changes in their lives and stuff. And we reconnected recently, and I got them into Dominion. And I think I might have created a monster <laughs> with Dominion because, I mean, Dominion is, it's its a great, it can be a great two-player game. It's just a straight-up head-to-head battle at that point. And uh, I only showed them uh, the base game and Prosperity and Seaside cards, right? Those are my, three, my, my two favorite expansions to the game. And I was explaining, like, well, there's all these other cards from all these other expansions. Like, here's what's in Hinterlands, and here's what's in Cornucopia, and here's what's in the Alchemy sets. And, um, yeah, it was super cool. And uh, they had such a good time. So that was that was board gaming. And then I got a chance to uh, play some D&D yesterday. So we had a good time. We totally got TPK'd. <laughs> <laughs> Mind flayers, man. Don't mess around. The mind, we, I was handling the mind flayers. It was the elder brain. The elder brain's what got us. It's always as soon as you feel like you've crossed over the hurdle. Of course, there's going to be one big bad last boss that you're going to have to fight. Yeah, we we went down the stairs and and at the bottom of the stairs, uh, we were exploring a crash mind flare ship, and, and there was an elder brain down there, and the elder brain took everybody out. For those of you that are asking, uh, played Baldur's Gate 3, I asked, there was no correlation between Baldur's Gate 3 and the fact that he found a crash ship. Like, that is, I, I did my due diligence to figure out if there might have been some collusion in, oh, this is what's popular right now. But no, it was no, all. No, Chris doesn't, Chris, a DM, he doesn't play video games. Yep. He, I, I, I don't think he's, I've ever talked to him. I think maybe he has an old original Nintendo. He was talking about he found a 3.5 module and he modified it because he thought it would be a good one-shot. So, Jamie, we, we were talking a little bit about you know, D&D and Baldur's Gate 3 and how it's been really adjusting to um, possibly bringing in more players into the D&D scape after the game kind of dies down and people get through it. I had an interesting incident when I was working at the store the other day because someone came in for the Gundam um, sale and I started talking to them. I was like, so are you a fan more of Gundam or are you just building models? Because they seemed a little curious, more curious than somebody who knew what they were doing. And so I kind of probed and they're like, well, actually, 
we just started playing Armored Core. And I really love Armored Core. And these Gundam models kind of gave me that same kind of vibe. That's kind of what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. I said, well, if you're wanting to just put together a model, of course, Gundams are beautiful. They're artistic. I think that they really go into any home decor that you need. Uh, But I would say that if you wanted to play that new Armored Core game, I showed them Battletech. Right. Which is taking up a little bit more and more space on our back wall the more that I've been working. Have you been seeing a, a surge in Battletech in your own? Uh... Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, no, Battletech uh, Catalyst is on a roll, right? So, God, I learned to play Battletech in high school. It's and been around. There was there was no minis back then. There was uh, cardboard standees, and mm-hmm. if you if we were lucky, mostly we were using uh, little green army men to say this is where our guys were, but. The idea of building out, like, okay, I'm going to put this many points of armor in my legs and this much in my arms and chest and everything. We we had the most amazing and epic wars for Battletech in high school. And it kind of it, it died down and went away for a while. And then it came back as uh, Mech Warrior. There was a cool Mech Warrior minis game yep. that Ken had some of the blind boxes left when I bought the store from him. So it was winding down in 2012, 13, 14 from the Mech Warrior game, which is also when the the video game series for Mech Warrior had also been really popular too. And then like they released a brand new version. They they did a Kickstarter for Battletech probably three years ago, four years ago, maybe. And they released a brand new, like all new starter box that really made an easy, it was a very well done box and it made an easy entry point back into the game. We got a bunch of guys that are playing at the store and half of them are guys that remember playing high school, right? <laughs> you know, and then, they're, they're, but there's some been some younger guys that are joining in too. And they're just, they're having a good time. They're playing um, once a month at the store, mostly because it's all guys with families that are running like crazy, trying to keep up with everything. Right. But then there's another group that they're playing. Um, there's some overlap too that are playing Battletech Alpha Strike. And they're doing, so one one weekend of the month, I think it's a Sunday, they're doing Alpha Strike, and a different one they're doing um, just straight-up Battletech Wars and stuff. And, yeah, they're in. They're loving it. They're having a good time. The minis that Catalyst is putting out right now are great. Yeah. The, the quality on them is super great. And you can paint them super fast, too, because you want a good-looking Battletech um, mech spray it with a gunmetal spray primer, dry brush it, hit the edges with a little lighter shade on the edges, maybe do a little um, maybe do a little contrast paint or some speed paint around some details to get some deeper shadows in there, and you're done. It's a good-looking mech. And they're even coming out with blind boxes for the game, correct? Where yeah. you can oh, just yeah, pick yeah, it yeah. up and like, oh, I don't know what I want to do, but now that I've got this new model that I didn't even plan on having, I might build my whole entire... Uh, mech build around what I'm seeing on this this form. So, yeah. and in Catalyst Labs, not a big company. That they're not a big company. So BattleTech has been. I think they're finally getting their feet under them because BattleTech has been kicking their butt trying to keep up with the demand. Mm-hmm. Because they're, you know, they. Um, God, I can't remember the company that had it, and then Catalyst took over BattleTech. Um, somebody had it before Catalyst. But anyway, they've been on a tear. They've been on a roll trying to do everything in their power to keep up with it. And um, and, and so far, 
they're they're finally getting their feet under. So far, it's been a pretty good season for them. Because remember, they were I sent you that picture. They were a big presence at Gen Con this year. They had that huge inflatable, which is yeah. I, I posted in the Discord for some of our people over there to see. I was shocked that it had that much gravitas. Right. That they were allowed to do something like that, or at least felt like they had the the ability to do so with what they have. And some news that came out just this week uh, kind of solidifies that as well. So Catalyst Games has actually partnered up with Peterson Games. So for those of you that don't know, Peterson Games uh, created the games of Cthulhu Wars and Planet Apocalypse. Sandy Peterson. Yeah. Yes. And Made tons of, tons of really cool stuff. Yes. Age and of Empires. And in this article that you can find on BoardGameQuest.com, uh, written by Tony Mastrell, he talks about, uh, in this new agreement, Catalyst Games will handle all of the publishing duties for Peterson's Games' past and present titles. In effect, Peterson Games will turn into a design house with designer Sandy Peterson doing what he does best, board game design. Catalyst will then handle all the manufacturing, marketing, sales, etc. for their games. Now, when I first so that is that include Cthulhu Wars? I believe so. Because Cthulhu Wars was kind of their that's that's a that was a massive hit for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a that's a that's Warhammer, but all Cthulhu monsters. Pretty much, <laughs> it's it's it can get kind of epic too. So, I, when I first read this article, I thought, huh, that's interesting. Like the BattleTech people are. are helping out other companies with manufacturing, especially when you were saying, you know, they've been being kind of hit over the head with trying to provide the the supply for the demand that's out there. And actually, Tony ends his article saying, this is hopefully good news for both struggling Peterson Games and also Catalyst Games, who recently announced their own dedicated board game division, which will now have a wealth of titles to offer. That made me think back to our last podcast with Ben, Right. Uh, that we were talking about, you know, how these companies are kind of merging together, and we're seeing that instead of these kind of independent developers that are just trying to struggle get game out, we're seeing more things like Embracer Group buying Asmodee, Asmodee with Fantasy Flight. We're we're seeing kind of these conglomerates begin to form up. Could it be that Catalyst Games is now thinking that they're going to try that route as well? That they they have found their success with BattleTech, that's going to be their tentpole, but they might start trying to make their own kind of, I don't want to say mega corporation because I've watched too much sci-fi, but have this kind of roster of games that they're buying through other companies and becoming the next Asmodee, the next Fantasy Flight. I don't know. I mean, it took some pretty serious venture capital money, right? If you remember that, what was it, the PS something, PSI? Uh, there was a big venture capital group. There's PSI is actually a, 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 an aggregator in our industry, but there was a group, P something, that owned Asmodee before uh, selling it to the Embracer group. And they were, that was a straight up venture capital group that had the kind, just this massive amount of money. Um, I think that what we're, what we're probably going to see the conversation we had with Ben with is we're going to see consolidation as people are trying to be able to compete with Asmodee, right? Where an individual company might not have the the, the straight up bandwidth to get in the fight and do the things they got to do from a marketing perspective and everything else. But if they combine together, they can get a little bigger of a presence as they go along as well. Uh, it's like. Oh God! As somebody else, who'd been say merge last week that we were uh, that caught me off guard that I didn't know about. 
Um, oh, uh, Artana had got purchased by Genius Games, yes. right? They, they yes. teamed up. And I, I think we're going to see some of that where some of the teeny tiny houses, because um, Sandy Peterson Games, Peterson Games, has they're not teeny tiny, I guess, but they're ne- they've never been big. They'd have a hit and then not have another hit for seven, eight, nine years. And you're trying to ride the coattails and try to figure out what the next thing that's going to be in there. Um, and then also, just because you're a good designer does not mean you're a good business executive running a company at the same time either. That's true. You know, maybe Sandy Peterson hit a point where he just said, you know what, I don't like doing all this other stuff. I don't want to be in charge of marketing. I don't want to be in charge of logistics and warehouse management and janitorial and whatever else he had to do as a, as a small business owner. I just want to go back to designing games. And if you find somebody that he trusted that he thinks he could partner with and work with well, you know, now I would say I hope that they talked through a whole lot of things and wrote and put a lot of stuff in the contract so there's going to be no miscommunication. Right. That's the that's the biggest thing that's torn apart partnerships in the past is um, assumptions and miscommunications, right? So, but this could be cool. This could be very cool. I, I would love to see us come out with some new stuff. I'd love to see a new Age, Age of Empires game. I'd love to see some maybe crossovers of Battletech into more of a board game, kind of more something more entry level. Kind of like what we've seen with Warhammer at times where they create kind of a board game aesthetic and then you can take those figures and actually move them into a larger scale exactly. actual Warhammer game. Exactly. Something yeah. more to introduce people to or, or a board game maybe that builds off. You know, Battletech's got this really um, rich history behind it and maybe Sandy Peterson can build something out of that history of something – more about the houses that are fighting and why they're fighting or something versus just uh, we've, we've got mechs and let's stomp each other. Yes. Not that there's anything wrong with mechs. You know, that's no, that no, no. one of my loves. Yeah. Giant robots will always stay a place in my heart. <laughs> I will say, however, there is a new type of robot that actually might be stealing my heart as well. And that is giant robotic bees. Giant robotic bees. Oh, you're talking about the new game from Stonemeyer. I was like, where, where did we go? What were we talking about? Uh, yeah, this week Stonemeyer, uh, most famous for Wingspan. That's their biggest hit. Well, Scythe. Well, Wingspan still sold a million copies. That's fair. That's fair. They broke back onto the scene and established themselves with Scythe. And Scythe is a great game, even though I get my butt kicked every time. <laughs> I'm not good at asymmetric games. I, I don't know why. But I got my butt kicked every time I play Scythe. Um, Scythe was our uh, COVID game. Mm. Chris and I would set up in the backyard because we weren't supposed to be indoor with each other. But yep. we figured there was enough of a breeze in the backyard. And we set up under the uh, maple tree and play Scythe. The Scythe pieces were heavy enough to not blow away every time the wind came up. That is a unique element that I did not even consider. But yes. Yeah. But uh, Stonemeyer, of course. Uh, Viticulture. Um, Beautiful game. One of my favorite non-combat games. Just Viticulture is amazing in so many ways. Yeah, it, just tons of awesome games that they've made. Uh, and uh, bees. 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 So Apiary. Uh, we're pulling this from a Polygon article written by Charlie Hall. Wingspan publisher Stonemeyer Games' next board game is full of bees. Uh, the following comes from this article. The next board game from Stonemeyer Games is titled Apiary, and it's about sentient spacefaring bees. The high-concept title was formally announced Wednesday in a company newsletter following the unscheduled leak online. While you might be inclined to poo-poo the concept as a bit too out there, underestimate founder Jerry Stegmeier at your Jamie. peril. Jamie. Jamie. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. 
Jamie Stegmaier at your own peril. We don't mess up the J names. We don't mess with Jamie's around here. Uh, <laughs> the wacky theme he takes under his wing, uh, he takes under his wing are regularly known for their ind- industry-defining def- impact. Now, this is going to be an interesting element that I didn't know. St. Louis-based. I yeah, had no idea. You didn't know that? Just right down. No. Oh, yeah. St. Louis-based Stonemeyer has built its business on a string of unusual hits, beginning with 2016 Scythe, which Stegmeyer designed himself. The asymmetrical strategy game takes place in an alternate history of 1920s Europe, created by the singular Polish artist named Jacob Roski. It includes idyllic scenes of rural life counterposed by 100-foot-tall diesel-powered robots. And we've talked a little bit about Scythe before on this podcast. Uh, actually, I didn't know that there's a short film by Neil Blomkamp. Uh, who did District 9. He's Elysium. also Murdoch in the A-Team movie. He, it's, he's probably, that's not Neil. Isn't it? No, that's that's just an actor that always is in all of Neil's projects. Oh. Okay. Yes. but yeah, I, thought he, that was, I thought that was him. Nope, they just work together on so many things. Oh, I my bad. understand the confusion. Learn something new every day. There you go. Um, yeah, it looks fun. It's, it's space bees. Humans are gone. Humans are dead. And uh, the bees have grown grown to an enormous size. We all we know bees are smart. We've know we know that bees are deathly allergic to Jamie, um, or Jamie's deathly allergic to bees. This is Jamie's nightmare in some ways. Yeah, and uh, so giant bees taking over the planet after humans are gone, fighting against each other for colonization, spacefaring rights. It looks pretty interesting. Back to the article, it kind of gives an explanation that each player controls one of twenty unique factions. Your faction starts the game with a hive, a few resources, and worker bees. A worker placement hive building challenge awaits you. Explore planets, gather resources, develop technologies, and create carvings to demonstrate your faction's strength, measured in victory points, over one year's flow. However, the dearth quickly approaches, and your workers can only make a few actions before they must hibernate. So it sounds so different than what we're expecting from Wingspan. And when I first read this article, I thought, oh... We're going to get another wingspan, and it's just going to be with more of a bee theme. And we're going to be visiting different flowers, and we're mm-hmm. going to have probably the same art style that we had from Wingspan, which I love the gameplay of Wingspan. It doesn't do much for me. I, I, don't, I appreciate the art, but it's not usually what draws me to games, usually the narrative and the story. This has done a complete 180 for me. And knowing how good Wingspan was, I'm very interested to see, now that we're doing a little bit more of a sci-fi concept, what those type of sensibilities are going to be shown through in this game i i hope it it, it looks beautiful i really dig in the art aesthetic and stonemeyer games has a pretty rabid following of fans for across all their different titles uh, and and rightly so the games that they have chosen to publish have come out and they have been um, just great games. I, mm-hmm. The only one I can think of that I really didn't jam onto was Pendulum. Mm. And it is just didn't catch me, but all the rest of the games, they're just good games. And they, and as the business owner, uh, they sell, yeah. right? They, they sell very well. And um, as a, uh, so I had a conversation two weeks ago with a member of the local Audubon Society who they all have wingspan because the auto it was it was like the Audubon game of the year and and they 
where they all bought it and none of them understands how to play the game. So they want to actually do a night where they, they can invite all their members in here. And I'm going to teach them how to actually play Wingspan. That's fantastic. So, yeah, I reached out to Stonemeyer, knowing that they're in St. Louis, and said, do you have any resources? Or, you know, invited them up to see if anybody wanted to come up and play. So we're we're set trying to set it up, and it'll be sometime. It sounds like it's probably at this point going to be sometime in January or February um, to see if we can get – and even if nobody from Stonemeyer makes it, but they're definitely invited – um, we're going to teach a bunch of folks who bought Wingspan how to play the game because it can be a big jump from people who are used to playing, you know, Monopoly and Clue and, and um, Phase 10 and stuff to it's jump a, in the Wingspan. Yeah, it's a different flavor altogether. Yeah, I wouldn't say Wingspan's a – that's not an entry level into our modern world of board gaming. That's a, that's a medium game. That's not yeah, an entry game. Not at all. So – I, I can't think of a good transition, so we're just going to move into it. Uh, <laughs> bees don't steal things, but humans do. And we do have a slight update I want to bring up from uh, an article that we read a few weeks ago where we found out that Gen Con had uh, a bit of a, a problem in the fact that there was a major theft that occurred. Yeah. We have finally kind of come to the conclusion of this story. Uh, a Polygon article written by Nicole Carpenter titled Gen Con Magic, the Gathering Card Magic the Oh, Gen Con Magic the Gathering Card Thieves Charged with Felony Theft. Uh, really details kind of everything that happened, who did it, and from what we're seeing really lays out that this was somewhat premeditated. Well, it yeah, it's it became they use fake IDs. Yes. That's that's the part that caught me from this article, right? We we thought that everybody everybody thought that they were at Gen Con because they're game designers and they were going to have a booth that was at Gen Con and it turns out that they actually had modified their badges after they got their badges and put fake names on the badges to try to dissuade any attention towards them. Uh we did. We did find out that they stole boxes of the brand new released Commander Masters yes. that were supposed to go to events because Pastimes, uh, Alan Hotchman runs Pastimes. It's up in Niles, Illinois. It's on the kind of the north northwest side of Chicago. Runs Pastime has run all the Magic and Pokemon events for Gen Con. I don't for as long as I can remember. I don't know hmm. how long it's been. And those boxes were supposed to be four prizes for their events and stuff, as well as for sales in the booth. So these guys got badges, were at Gen Con, changed, modified their badges to change the names on them, and then took the stuff, hid it under a curtain for a while until nobody knew where it was at, moved it from a, a underneath of the curtain, and took it out to the car. And there's so many cameras there that they traced them like the entire way of like they left it hidden there where nobody could see it but the camera knew where it was and they traced these guys all the way until they made it into the parking garage and apparently they it sounds like they might have tried to get in and steal some stuff from an Asmodee booth as well it's true so the article says that one of the the people at the Asmodee booth kind of caught them sniffing around a little bit before they were fully open and had to kind of shoo them away which makes you but think. But took a picture of them. It took a picture of them, thankfully, so that they would have evidence of just this exact thing. So I, I don't know if this is 
I, from what I've heard in my time in the board game industry, this seems like a very rare event. I haven't heard of a lot of large-scale theft like this during the event, but it's going to be very interesting next year uh, to see the difference in possible security measures to make sure stuff, stuff like this doesn't happen again. Oh, I'm sure. There's no way they don't have a response to this one. Yeah. It's a shame. It is. Right? There's so much stuff in our society that we had to we have to do all this extra rigmarole for just because a couple of bad actors that are out there. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just stinks that these guys, by being bad actors who are gonna go to jail, yes. well, they've been charged. They haven't been in both Indiana and New York. Yeah, and they so they haven't been prosecuted or actually sentenced yet. But they're they're, you know, up to six years in jail. Yep. Uh, and $10,000 fines only because they got all the product back. It sounds like they got everything back. Which is surprising. Yeah. Um, but now everything at Gen Con is going to change because yeah. of these guys. Right? If, if you think about flying on an airplane, we got to take off our shoes now because some guys thought that that was a thing. We got to take off our belts. We got to take all the stuff that we got to do is because of a few people. And a few people have changed the way that we're going to run experience this for a long time again a symptom of our our hobby industry becoming larger and larger and larger is just you know things like this are going to start happening and we just need to adjust with them yeah so uh, i do want to give credit to jesse who totally called this he and i were on the podcast together when this article came out and he immediately was like i don't think it's lorcana i think they would have had that locked down that's probably commander masters and boom within like a day the message came out that he was absolutely right yeah uh, so credit where credit is due. Speaking of credit and Magic the Gathering, we do have a little bit of sad news in the Magic community. Uh, going to an article again from Polygon, again from Charlie Hall. Uh, Magic community mourns Sheldon Minry, creator of the beloved Commander format. Now, I'm not a huge Magic person. I know how to play the game. I have my own you know, cards and things like that. But it's not something that I participate in that often. But one of my very good friends, who has become a very active listener of the podcast, uh, has tried to get me to play Commander forever. He, he came over, like helped me build the deck. And he's like, great, now we just need two other people to play. And I was like, what? why? I thought we were going to play Magic. I had no idea. But as I've learned from him and started watching the shop more, I can see just how popular the Commander style is within this. And to learn his history, uh, learn... Um, Sorry, uh, Sheldon Murney, uh, his history of how, you know, he he loved magic. He kind of created his own kind of group to funnel this commander style into effect that he still was a part of till the last days. Um, that, you know, he built something that now magic, that Wizards of the Coast recognizes as its own set. And actually, we sell cards that are just commander style to fit into Well, we that just effect. talked about commander masters, right? Exactly. The, the, the thieves were after that set. Yeah, I mean, so EDH and Commander, a lot of people use the names uh, synonymously, but they are different. There are some important differences between them, and usually the biggest one is the fact that there's a Commander out on the table in front of you. And uh, the there's a group of people that have created, um, it's called the Commander Rules Committee that Sheldon was part of and helped create, and then... Um, uh, was on that board for years because they came up with this when he was still in the Air Force. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And so he's been part of this group for years. You know, the first Commander decks, official Magic the Gathering Commander decks came out in, I think it was 2013, I want to say. Um, and so he was part of this group for years that has kind of said, okay, here are some new guidelines. We got to tweak some cards. There's some errata on how this behaves in a multiplayer format. Um, these cards are banned. There is a ban list for Commander. If you're going to play in a competitive Commander, there's, mm -hmm. there's a ban list there. And uh, this group of people that is not Wizards of the Coast staff does this and has just kind of maintained this on volunteer status for, for all these years. So, um, And it's definitely the most popular format played in the store. You know, Thursdays are Commander Nights here, and we will consistently have between 25 to 35 people show up. And it's one of the nice things about it is it's not just two players. Yeah, It's you can play two, three, four, five. I mean, you can go as many as you want, but... I think it really kind of breaks down after five. Mm. I, I, most people don't even want to play more than four. That's about their maximum. But um, just because you're waiting a long time for people to take their turns. Right. But it, it's, it's, it's a much more casual version of Magic. And I don't know. There's something nice about that. I would highly suggest if you are a person that enjoys Magic, especially the Commander style, go to Polygon and read the article because uh, it – reveals a lot about his history and really recognizes him. But I will say one quote uh, from the article uh, from Jim LePage. Uh, this comes from his Twitter. It's impossible to overstate the size and impact Sheldon Murney had in my life. Uh, Jim LePage is also a member of the Rules Committee, as it's noted here. My social life, my career, everything. I am so, so fortunate to have spent so much time as I did talking to him and laughing with him. Today I'm filled with as much gratitude as I am grief. Uh, there are many other quotes that kind of follow along the same line of how Sheldon, you know, did this not as a ploy to make money, not as necessarily a way to change the world, but simply he made a, a style of a game that he loved that felt fun and he shared with, with, with people and spent the time and energy to keep it that way. And I think as much as we're talking about our community and how is it growing and how is it changing and we're seeing companies merge and especially with our conversation with Ben last week, it is still nice to recognize the people that are still bringing fun to our world and to the different ways that we play these games. And a lot of that's, that is one of the cool things about magic is a lot of the, the formats that are played have come from the community themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, when the, there's a format called brawl and brawl was created by the community. There's a format called popper, a popper and popper was created by the community. So they're officially recognized now for the most part. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the people just keep saying, because, I mean, Magic's got 30 years of cards. What we 30, We're on year 31 right now. Something like 27,000 unique cards. And, uh, you know, there's so many possible different things that you can do with them. And it just starts off with a group of friends deciding, let's try to do something different. And once we've figured out this different thing, and oh, we introduce a new guy, we introduce a new guy, and, and it just spreads. And that's how EDH came about. Sheldon and his group took EDH and went, we don't really agree with a couple of these things. Maybe if we tweaked it a little bit like this, and it got so popular, here we go with this whole format. And it's just, I think it's cool that a lot of these format changes are coming from the community yeah. and, and just growing in popularity that way. So 
I will say that uh, definitely in your games, tap a mana in memory. Uh, but if you'd like to come and play those games here at Red Raccoon Games, there's also a lovely amount of new options for you to pick up while you're here. Uh, so let's take a look at the new hotness. One thing that's instantly stood out for me in the new hotness this week is something called Mysterious Museum. And there's also a second game that's very much in the same style, which is based around Neverland. But it seems to be a puzzle slash Where's Waldo type of game slash puzzle. It's a little confusing. Let me try and clarify that. The idea is that you put together a puzzle and it is very much in the theme of the old Where's Waldo books. Right. There's a lot that's going on. And then once you've completed the puzzle, there are little packets uh, that you open up, envelopes that then have clues and hints that you now search your puzzle to try and find the answer to what they're looking for. And I believe that leads you to a final conclusion, which I'm not exactly sure how that last part works. I haven't got a chance to open it up, but it's got me intrigued enough to try it. It brought back those good old memories of how much red and white can be on a page or the last page of Waldo where everything is Waldo. And you're just like, I've got to find the one, the right one. Where is he? Yeah, it's well, puzzles um, have been growing in popularity again. Right. They really kind of uh, had a massive comeback during COVID and people realize that there's a reason why these have been around for years and years and years, because I've often said that the one of the reasons why Kelly and I will do jigsaw puzzles is because in our lives, there are very few things that have a defined beginning and a defined end where you can say this is complete. And so. But we've seen uh, evolutions in, in new concepts and new ideas in puzzles. Uh, a few years ago, Robinsberger introduced the escape room puzzles. I try and sell those every time I find somebody in the puzzle section. I bring it up and say, if you're ready for that next level after you're done with the puzzle, try these out. I think there's 18 different designs at this point, and I've done eight or nine of them. And... It's this idea that the what you see on the box and what the puzzle is, the puzzle has evolved into a changed state. And that changed state now has sub-puzzles and things hidden inside of it. So we, we saw that with Robinsberger. Then we saw um, some of the murder mystery companies come out with murder mysteries that were involved jigsaw puzzles where you had to do... Um, we had to do parts of the the... The, the rest of the murder mystery, but to solve the final pieces and to get clues, you had to assemble the jigsaw puzzle. So we've had those as well. And then we, we take that to a, another level of jigsaw puzzles too, to say, as opposed to adding extra games in there, let's, what if we made a jigsaw puzzle out of wood? Yeah. We can do some really cool custom shapes. We can hide different things in there. We can make, puzzle doesn't have to be square around anymore. Let's make the puzzle in the shape of Sasquatch or in the shape of, a, of a, an owl. Um, and then there's there's a really cool new Dungeons and Dragons puzzle that came out that is a combination of wooden puzzle and it has a bunch of hidden shapes in the puzzle too, like a beholder and a spell potion and a shield and oh, that's a sword. Really cool. Yeah, so, so people keep taking this idea of what a jigsaw puzzle is or was and riffing on it, which is, is pretty fun too. And this one to me reminds me, like you, like you said, like a Where's Waldo book or um, Game of the Year, which was, uh, 
Oh, I'm dropping the name of what's the one, the, the crime one, where you've got to look at the whole big sheet and find all the pieces of what's going on in it. It's like there's like Full House and Crime City and oh, Micro oh. Macro. There it is. Yep. Yes. God, man, dropped the brain dropped on that one for a second. It took you five seconds to get there. Don't don't beat yourself up about that. Yeah. So it's like it, it, it reminds me a little bit with the packets in there of like Micro Macro where we've got this big thing and now we got to figure out what's going on, right? And so that's why I picked these ones up. I just thought that the idea behind them just seemed really cool. Absolutely. Now, here's something just riffing off of Jigsaw again one more time is, and I'm never going to say this right, Wasjig? There's a company that's making a new puzzle. It's Jigsaw written backwards. That's the name of the type of puzzle. And their puzzles are you get the scene on the front of the box, but what the puzzle you're doing is different because it's the scene as viewed from the perspective of one of the people that's on the cover of the box. But you don't know which person you're looking at the perspective of. So one of the puzzles is like you're looking at the back of these two guys trying to figure out, and they're like freaked out, and you're trying to feel like, what are they looking at? And you can see that um, what they're looking at is uh, one of the guys is a plumber, and the house is filling with water, and the lady is swimming across the, the window in the front of the house, hmm. right? And so, but then when you do the puzzle, the puzzle is done from the the perspective of the lady swimming in the window. She's looking out the window at all the neighbors and the plumber and everybody else and all their shocked faces. That's what's going on too. So interesting. Yeah, pretty That's crazy. Really that it's like a reverse puzzle almost. That's so interesting. I ordered some of those because I'm like, well, that'll some people will really get a kick out of that one. We'll definitely bring that up whenever it hits the new hotness. I do want to ask a question about some new Star Wars content I see on the new hotness because the new Shatterpoint figures came in. Uh, one bringing in Cad Bane, who is a fan favorite. Uh, he came in during the Clone Wars, uh, the animated show, but actually has shown up in The Mandalorian as well in mm-hmm. live action, which... That was a cool episode. Oh, yeah. We, someday we needed to do like just a podcast where we talk about Ahsoka. I don't know if we'll ever publish it, but just to get time to sit down and talk about Ahsoka because it's been fantastic in my yes. opinion. Uh, but they also brought in Amidala, mm-hmm. but in her queen Amidala robes, not in her... Uh, kind of Padme outfit that exactly. she... Exactly. Not, not any of her more action-oriented roles, whether as ambassador or as... Uh, councilwoman, I guess, was what she was. I'm trying to think. Senator. Senator. Uh, it was very much in her queen attire, and I felt like that was an interesting choice. Uh, I totally think that women in Star Wars has been something we've been seeing grow more often, and I love to see that they're being represented within the game. I just didn't – I was reading a, a meme the other day where someone said, what's the name of your daughter? And the person responded, Leia. And they said, oh, like the princess? And the person replied, no, like the general. Because many people forget Ooh. Leia was the general within the the rebellion. So I kind of was was intrigued by that. But I was wondering, is there is Shatterpoint something you're seeing more of? Is there some growing popularity there? Or there's a group that's playing it, um, the small but mighty. It's the same guys that are playing Shatterpoint. Most of them are also the same guys playing Marvel Crisis Protocol. Oh, Both of them are designed by Atomic Mass Games. Gotcha. And so there's crossover that we're seeing there. And, um, and and they're like the rules are enough different that we want both of the two different types of experiences between 
Shatterpoint and Marvel Crisis Protocol. And yet, I, I, part of it is they're, they're big fans of the minis themselves and the quality and care that goes into the design of the minis. But the, yeah, so between the minis and the play, I, th- I think they're having a good time with it. Shatterpoint, has, it's definitely not um, the most popular of the miniatures games, but it's, it's fun. And, and I enjoy the small squad aspect of it. Yes. Right? I, so, I, that's what's called to me, too. There's been multiple times. Maybe in you know, all your free time in October, we can get it on the table sometime and play it together. <laughs> um, but it's definitely something that's intrigued me. I just haven't been able to make the leap. And I think a large portion of it, too, is I know that I would have to paint all the figures. And that, I think, was maybe a misstep on Atomic Mass's part. Because I think with Marvel, there's a little bit more variance. Like, you know the costumes. But I, I, I feel like whenever I was talking to somebody about the game and trying to sell it, I would say, oh, this is a fantastic game. I've looked at the rule set. It's got the small squad capability. It really feels like those fights that you would see going on inside of the shows. And the minute that I had to say, but you're going to need to paint the figures, so many people took a step back. And that was a I disappointing can see aspect. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a painter either, right? And I'm, I'm definitely intimidated by the need to paint some games and so I just I just don't get into those ones. That yeah. being said, you you know none of my Zombicide stuff's painted. It's true. Uh, Dwayne though, when he brings his set in and, and they play at the store and Dwayne's stuff is all painted perfectly and everything, I go, oh. Someday I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down with you. We're gonna get some speed paints out from Army Painter and we're gonna play around a little bit. We're gonna see what you like. I I bought the whole I got the whole I bought all the contrast paints. Fantastic. I just I just have never you know used Let's them. Let's get them. Let's get into I've it. I've just never used them. All right. We'll put that on the docket again for your free October. Yeah. Uh, what games on the on the new hotness are really calling to you right now? Well, uh, I think two of them uh, showed up this week that I think that people have been looking for. One is Earth, right? It's from Inside Up Games, and this is a, things don't always go perfectly. What? Right. Um, Earth shipped for most stores in March. Mm-hmm. We backed this one on Kickstarter, and uh, they forgot about us. And so I was in Reno at the Gamma Expo, and people were, you know, inside Up Studios. I was listening to presentation, like, yeah, Earth's doing really well at stores so far. I'm like, wait, what? What do you mean Earth's doing well at stores? And other game store owners looked at me like, what, are you crazy? Of course it's doing well. We've already blown through our first 24 copies of it. And like, what are you guys talking about? When did you get Earth? Like we got it last week, so I had to talk to Inside Up and at, at um, Gamma and say I haven't got my copies yet, and we've been going back and forth. They're like, "Oh my God, we're so sorry," and then we've been going back and forth on email, and I keep can't have to nudge them. Like, hey, still haven't got them. Hey, still haven't got them. I finally tracked them down at Gen Con and said, "Hi, my name's Jamie from Red Raccoon, and we've been going back and forth." And I really, really, really would like to have Earth in my store since we're now in August and still have not received it. And I finally, we finally figured out where the miscommunication was and got copies of Earth. And I'm super happy. I'm super happy. That's a, it's a game a lot of people have been looking forward to. I'm sorry that it took us so long. They they forgot about us. So um, the other one that a lot of people have been looking forward to is Trailblazers. Which is, I'm sorry, Trailblazer, the John Muir Trail, which is different than Trailblazers. 
Trailblazers mm-hmm. is more of a casual tile laying game um, about uh, hiking and kayaking and stuff around a national park. Trailblazer is very specifically about the John Muir Trail, which is part of the Appalachia Appalachia Trails. Oh, interesting. And so it's a completely different style game, but unfortunately only one letter difference in their name, Trailblazer versus Trailblazers. So that's going to cause some problems. Yeah, a little bit. Hopefully everybody knows the boxes that they're looking for. So for those of you like me that always likes to see a a little bit of an RPG that's not Dungeons & Dragons, uh, there is a new one on the shelf called Shiver. And surprisingly enough, while the art style does not represent it, the story style uh, of what it's trying to do gives me a lot of Mike Mangola vibes, the creator of Hellboy. Uh, The idea of it is it is about horror and in the spooky season coming up, that's fantastic. However, it's supposed to be able to span different timelines. So you can do a story that's more in uh, the uh, ancient, like not ancient times, but more like... uh, Revolutionary times, colonials, yes. Uh, you can do a modern day setting or you can do a future setting. And it has kind of ways for you to adjust the game as you go with that. So I've always loved games that allow you to progress the story even with different characters. That's one of the reasons why I absolutely love the... Oh, now I'm blanking on it. I just had it in my brain. It's the art style... Oh, um... I got nothing. There's a lot of hand That's ringing fair. going on It's a on lot of right hand here. ringing. I will go ahead and start trying to look it up right now. Uh, it's from the art style of that where it's like these scenes of like winter views. There was an Amazon show of it, but there's like giant robots or super technology in the background. Um, you talking about Scythe? No, it's, it's very close to Scythe. It has that same art style. I'm furiously trying to figure out what to type... Tell me about one more product, and I'll bring it up uh, once we're done here. Sure. Well, uh, one of the things we got was the Kickstarter Eddie uh, Zombicide Iron Maiden packs. So, um, Eddie, for anybody who is an old-school Iron Maiden fan, Eddie is a skeleton that has been famously, famously pictured on almost every album cover that Iron Maiden has put out in all these different forms. And they have taken these... Eddie designs and adapted them to this three box set where you get new figures. You can use Eddie as a character. You can use Eddie as a zombie. You can use Eddie as an abomination. You can use Eddie in Ankh because, of course, there's an ancient Egyptian skeleton version of Eddie to use in Ankh. You can use Eddie in Cthulhu Death May Die. Uh, and they really kind of created a pack with all these different versions and art styles for Eddie that you can use across all these different CMON games. Kind of cool. It's a really awesome idea. And that is the type of thing that I hope to see more of. I know that we get some really interesting character packs for Zombie Side very often, um, especially the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one that's coming to the ancient China setting in the, uh, the newest version coming White out. White Death. White Death. Yeah. Um, but I love the idea of, hey, here's a pack of one character, but can be used across the board in all of your games, kind of unifying it. It's very much the Arkham Horror experience I have whenever I have a character that I really love in Arkham Horror, and then in all of these different games in the Arkham Horror series, I can still play as that character. Yeah. Uh, the games I was thinking of, the RPG is Tales from the Loop. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Followed up by that's using that same art style from Scythe. Exactly. Yes. And Tales from the Loop, you start as basically Stranger Things kids. You are young. You are not allowed to die in the game, but you can be hurt. You can be managed. It's very much the kind of the first side of it. And then things from the flood actually takes that. You could take that storyline from Tales of the Loop, where you're a kid and you move into being teenagers, and you can take your characters and kind of upgrade them in a way of saying, you know, my kid growing up might have been kind of the nerdy kid, but then he turned into the bad boy. Or maybe the misfit girl is now the cheerleader. Or you can follow along with the path that makes sense. Maybe the nerdy kid is actually the the dork now, the computer science nerd. And really follow into those tropes and move your story from one element to the other, much like the It movie where you have these young children and then you get to see them more as an adult. No, and, it totally uh, makes sense. And with Shiver, I feel like you could write a story that maybe it's not the characters that move through time, but maybe the enemy does. Uh, I'm a big fan of a comic called Atomic Robo. And there's an en- there's a series of that comic where it's one enemy, but Atomic Robo has to fight him in three different time periods, uh, kind of at the same time, outside of time. It's very odd. I really like the concept, and I can see that playing into here, too. One of the other games that we got in since the last time we did a podcast we didn't talk about is a series of party games. So we know Cards Against Humanity just ripped off the same idea from apples to apples, right? Just made it dirty. And there's a company, I think their name is Fitz Games, if I remember correctly. They have taken that same idea and modified it multiple different times. So the first one we picked up from them was uh, Queer Agenda. Mm-hmm. which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a Cards Against Humanity style game, but everything is these things that are particularly hilarious if you're queer and you're, you know, this idea that there's a queer agenda and everything. Um, but they've since they built off this idea, they brought out Basic AF, which is, like, you know, you get together and with your pumpkin spice latte drinking friends <laughs> wearing your Uggs boots and your white uh, long sleeve shirt with a, a dark uh, vest over the top of it. The Chosen One, which is all about the Jewish experience growing up. One of the cards on the back of it was a, is a dare card where you, um, one of the dares that cracked Grant up a lot is um, call your mom and ask her how you've disappointed her. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the last one we brought in is Bipartisan, Bipartisan. And uh, it is Republicans versus Democrats. So if you've got friends with varying political views, I've looked at a bunch of the cards and no one's safe, (laughs) right? Um, It doesn't matter if you're a Republican, a Democrat, a socialist, liberal, whatever whatever you say that you want to be in there, nobody is safe. This game 100% goes after every party and every political, major political figure of the last 40, 50 years. And the cards are f- hilarious. So if you're kind of a political nerd, um, you're going to really have a good time with this one. Even if you, you know, probably best to play it with people of uh, opposing political views. But you, I think you still have a good time if you even you play with just your friends that are the same view as you. As long as you can poke a little fun, you're okay. Understood. Well, if you're ready to start fights with your politically different-minded family members... Because that never happens anymore. We no, never fight about politics. Never. No, we're, we're all one unit now. Uh, but if we wanted to, what would be some good excuses to come into the store this week to uh, pick that up? 
Well, this week is the this is, is a lot of prep week, right? We're expecting uh, still more games coming down the pipe at us for Gen Con releases as they come along. We just got a lot of boxes of Moon. I just un- unboxed a lot of Moon. Moon and um, Advanced Level Up, which mm-hmm. is a modification for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition to add more character classes, more Paragon classes, more feats, more skills. It's basically kind of moving 5th Edition to a lot of the options that you get in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. You said the quiet part out loud. Yes, well, <laughs> it is what it is, what it is, it is, what it is, is. right? So if you want more options and more things for your D&D, we got that in. Lorcana continues. The Lorcana group is probably going to be here at about an hour from right now, and their charge to have fun and find product is continuing. And um, no, I still don't know anymore about when we're going to have sealed product in the store. Um, yes, we still are selling singles. We're still selling singles, but sealed product is still. Uh, we were supposed to get a September shipment, and it now sounds like it's going to be an October shipment. So. Uh, that is not official yet, but um, it feels like we're getting pushed a lot closer to that next Lorcana series season uh, series two stuff that comes out November eighteenth. I didn't bring it up in the, an article, but I do believe they talked about reprinting the first season again. Yeah, but yes. they, they said that the reprints of the first season probably won't get here until like mid to late January. Oh, perfect. Time. So that's Good. not gonna help. Right. Yeah. Series, uh, the second set will definitely be out by then. Um, so Lorcana, D and D, lots of uh, lots of magic stuff coming up. Of course, there's Pokemon mixed in there. The Force of Will group, the people that are playing Force of Will, um, has been growing. Digimon oh. group has been growing quite I, a bit. I did see a, quite a few people here for Digimon yesterday. Yeah, the Digimon group is really doing quite nicely. They're having fun because Digimon has finally figured out production of how much they need to make so people yeah. can buy what they want and have fun with the game. If you're ready for your dinosaur to evolve into a refrigerator with a machine gun, that's the game for you. <laughs> um, I think we've, we're going to see an uptick in One Piece. Of course, the One Piece show just launched on Netflix. I haven't watched any of it yet. but It's been getting good reviews. Yeah. I think it very much bases on if you've watched the anime before. Uh, but their set styles are incredible. Uh, they really do make it feel in that world. Yeah, so I mean, I feel like all of our groups are just going uh, healthy and just having a good time, and, and everybody's enjoying spending time with each other. We've got a pre-release for Heroclix coming up this week for the new set. Um, and so, I don't know. I feel like it's just a... this is There's no big, huge, special event happening this week other than just all our everyday communities just enjoying spending time with each other. I will say, working yesterday, I got two really great questions. One was a woman asked if uh, we had a board game design group. And I said, yes, we meet, and I told her to direct her to redraccoongames.com, where you can get all of our schedules uh, mm-hmm. set up. And she explained that she wasn't really looking to develop a game. She was an illustrator and just wanted to find a way to maybe plug in and and kind of work in that field as well. Oh, that's cool. And, yeah, and I said, I'm sure that there's going to be tons of people, because from what Vin is saying, you know, art is one of those things you worry about last, but then you worry about quick. Yeah. And so I, I think that that's great. If you have a special skill that you want to find a way to invest in, always talk to one of our staff members. We'll come up with a way to, yeah. to help you get plugged in. Another couple came and said, you know, we want to learn to play D&D. And I was able to tell them about our learn to play classes, about adventuring leagues, and about our Discord, where there's a looking for group channel that you can just throw your name out and hopefully get scooped up. 
Which is also a very fun webcomic, too. Although, definitely yes. not safe for work. Do Yes. Yeah. Not, not that's, safe for work, that's but for funny. Your phone. That's for your phone. Yeah. But on that note, our podcast is going to come to a close. Uh, I'd like to go ahead and thank Julian Messner for the use of our theme song. And if you want to talk about your tabletop experience, you can come on down to Red Raccoon Games in Bloomington, Illinois. Come on down! Come on down! Uh, you can also reach out to this podcast podcast specifically if you go ahead and email info at redraccoongames.com. If you put podcast in the title, we'll note that. But probably the best way to get a hold of us, join our Discord channel. Uh, once you're in there, there is a podcast area, and I am monitoring that like religiously. I love to see people commenting on there. I've gotten some good ideas from stories. I've been able to follow up with some questions from the podcast that people might have. Jamie pops in from time to time as well. So we would love to hear from you, hear your ideas, hear your thoughts. And if you just want to tell us that we're wrong, especially about Taylor Swift, we'll <laughs> definitely accept that. Um, I almost talked about how I think Tom Hiddleston basically got to date Taylor Swift because of being Loki, but I didn't want to walk down that rabbit hole. I've, I've been burned by that bear trap before and never again. <laughs> T-Swift is a safe zone here. Yeah. You, and uh, I think it's, I think it's very interesting that there are so many people trying to go to her concerts that can't go, so they're releasing the Eras Tour movie into the movie theaters coming out. Yep. Kelly is a huge fan of Kathleen Madigan, comedian out mm-hmm. of St. Louis. And uh, Kathleen will often talk about she is an economic force unto herself. When she does a concert in a city, that city will see like a $150, $200 million economic bump of activity planes have to reroute to they reroute additional flights to get people to that city because people are flying in from all over the place and the average person spends fifteen hundred dollars to see taylor swift between flights hotels food merch and then the tickets themselves the average person is spending fifteen hundred dollars per self per person that is insane yep now we just need two swift to come to the store I think that's that's our next goal. We got Ben. Next up, T Swift. <laughs> the, 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 the chaos and destruction. <laughs> the, there would be no store left at the end of that, as people just destroyed everything trying to get in here. <laughs> Jeez. I'm glad I could give you that new nightmare. <laughs> but on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening and keep playing. Bye.